Welcome to another episode of More Happy Life, the podcast that will teach you how to trigger upward spirals of health and happiness in your life. I'm Andy Proctor, a happiness activist whose goal is to make your life more happy with science-backed strategies and powerful interviews. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. All right, Joy, welcome to the More Happy Life podcast. I just am so excited to have you here and to have you share some of your stories. I love sharing uh, stories that highlight the triumph of the human spirit, and yours is definitely one of those stories, um, you know, uh, that 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 shares that. So you have a lot to share and to uh, inspire uh, the listeners with. So let's go ahead and, and dive in. Great. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Well, so you've, you know, you've been through some, some really, um, difficult, amazing things, but also difficult experiences, um, and have really chosen to see the good. Uh, what are some specific, uh, well, first of all, I'd love to just have you kind of share. So for listeners who don't know your story, I'd love to have you kind of share your, um, some of your story that you'd like to share with, with the listeners. Sure. Well, I had been a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld for a little bit, and then I decided to go to film school because I had always dreamed of being a filmmaker and I love films. I love those stories like Rocky stories, you know, where people persevere over the odds and they do yeah. these great things. And so I started going to film school and it was probably about three months into film school around Thanksgiving when I had been coughing for a while and uh, I just was, I remember feeling really tired. And then I walked into my uncle's house on Thanksgiving and I coughed. And for the first time I put my hand on my throat and kind of my clavicle area. And that's when I felt a lump there. And so that day we went to urgent care. I found out that I probably had something really bad. <laughs> he didn't really want to tell me, but I actually asked him if he thought it was cancer and he just didn't answer me. And by that following week, I found out that I had stage two non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and that I'd be dead within the year if I didn't get treatment. So that's kind of where my journey starts is just, you know, on my way, I'm 25 years old, I'm accomplishing my dreams. And then just this big roadblock in my life happens. Yeah, that's, that's, that's um, so, uh, has to be so terrifying. But for, first of all, I just have to say, that is so cool that you were a dolphin trainer. That's amazing. It was awesome. And oh, I, you know gosh. what I love about just the fact that I got the job there is, is because I use the power of visualization to get the job. Um, and that's going to sound silly, but you have to take a swim test in order to get the job there. And it's this really rigorous test. And I hadn't been practicing for it because I didn't realize I was going to be taking it. And I got it and I basically applied two days before the test. And I got an invitation on Monday night. Tuesday, I flew out. Tuesday morning, I tried taking the test at the, uh, the local pool and I couldn't do it at all. I didn't even come close because you have to hold your breath for 120 minutes underwater. I'm not, not 120, that's ridiculous. 120 feet underwater with one breath <laughs> wow. of air. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> like, who are you? No. <laughs> 
it's a rocky story. And I just couldn't do any of that. I couldn't, I, and I couldn't dive down to the bottom, which the pool I was at was only six feet, but the pool that I needed to take the test in was 26 feet deep. I couldn't do any of this. And because I couldn't physically practice before I went there, uh, cause I had to take a plane from Chicago out to California. I just used visualization. Cause I remembered, I, you know, I studied psychology when I was in college and I remembered reading about athletes and how they use that to, you know, shoot a basketball into the hoop and gymnastics, just all of these different sports, they use visualization. And so to get yeah. my job at SeaWorld, I just visualized, visualized, visualized the entire time. I even visualized myself wanting to give up at certain points, you know, and wanting to come mm -hmm. up for a breath of air and just continuing on. And then I, that's all I had. So when it, it came to taking the test, I somehow managed to do it. And I, I give all that credit to visualizing. I, I would have, I would not have been able to do it if I hadn't done that. That is so powerful. And I think that there's a lot of, um, well, you know, both non-research as well as research, like about uh, visualization, there's, you know, everything from you know, kind of the law of attraction and the secret and things like that, that have talked a lot about visualization, but there's actually quite a bit of, there is quite a bit of research out there that shows, like you were mentioning, you know, the, the power of visualization for sports and, you know, in coaching and, um, and, you know, goal, goal setting and accomplishment. And I think visualization is, is so powerful. So that's so cool that you, you were able to do use that to to you know get this like job at sea, at sea world that's amazing that's so cool yeah it was a lot of fun i had a great time it was probably one of the best times of my life working with the animals and the people were great it was just a wonderful wonderful time of my life yeah absolutely i want to i want to come back to that a little bit later too and i i i think it'd be um really great to kind of you know i, th I think probably everybody here either knows somebody or is somebody um, who has, you know, had that kind of journey through, through cancer. And, um, you know, it's something that unfortunately is more common than, you know, than I think a lot of people think. And, um, and so, you know, I'd love to hear, uh, because here you are, right? Like what a, what a amazing, you know, miracle um, that like we're talking today. And so I think that's, that's just, it's beautiful. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I just want to say like the gratitude that I feel for that. And I also would love to hear some lessons that you learned, uh, through your journey, uh, with, with, with cancer. What I learned through my journey with cancer was, gratitude uh, and we all know that we should be grateful for things but it really for me changed my perspective because I went through one period maybe two weeks after I found out that I was sick no it was a week it was one week after I found out I was sick and I was trying to get hold of my boyfriend because he wouldn't return my phone call and then I finally got a hold of him from a, a number that he didn't recognize so he actually picked it up and he hung up on me. And what, what had happened is I left a message letting him know I had cancer. Everything was great before that. But once I let him know I had cancer, that's when he just, just stopped talking to me. And I just, when he did that and he hung up on me, I, I just couldn't understand how another human being could do that to someone. And I was so angry. And it, the, 
it actually made this lump on my, you know, clavicle area and it actually made it hurt and it hadn't been hurting before. And so that's when I luckily had listened to Zig Ziglar years before. And I remembered him talking about how you have a choice and you can respond to a situation or you can react to respond as positive, to react as negative. And he gives this whole example of being in the airport and having his flight be canceled. And instead of being upset, he just says, fantastic. And goes through all the reasons why it's good that his flight has been canceled. So thankfully I had that in my head. So when I was feeling that pain and I was so angry and I really felt a loss of control in that moment, I started thinking about Zig and that story that he had told. And I thought if he can do that with his flight being canceled, then I can do that with cancer. And I started thinking of all of the reasons why it was good that I had been diagnosed with cancer and that pain, it just went away. And I started to feel so much better because I was focusing on all the good, because it's really easy to focus on the bad, you know? Right. Um, and that, and that can become a monster if you keep doing that. But once I was able to let go and start focusing on the good, it just made, it just made me feel so much better. Um, and now I wasn't, singing and dancing the whole time during cancer. I mean, I had rough times, but nice. to, to go back to that point of gratitude was huge for me. So that's one thing I learned was gratitude. And then the other thing that I thought was really huge was just knowing that you still do have control over some things because the, the big thing when you're sick or you know someone who's sick is that it just feels like there's a big loss of control. Mm -hmm. because suddenly you don't have control over the direction of your life or your life period. I mean, you're just putting your trust in these doctors and nurses that they know what they're doing to save your life. And you just lose all of the control that you had over your life. So for me, I just found ways to get back some control. So one way I did that was when I was going to film school, I, I actually had to drop out because they film school wouldn't let me go <laughs> anymore. They, I, I actually told them I had cancer. I still want to go to class. And they said no to that because I couldn't do the rest of the work. And so I remember just having this moment where I just sat in the darkness of my car and, you know, it's like the moment where you can just hear just silence and wondering what am I going to do next? Now, meanwhile, I have cancer. So I know I'm, uh, I have this battle ahead of me but I didn't want to lose film school. And so I decided to make a documentary on myself because that way I could still learn about filmmaking and, you know, film school didn't have control over my future. I have control over my future. And so the fact that I made that decision to make a documentary on myself was huge because it, it put control back into, you know, into my hands at that point. I was able to start documenting everything. I was able to edit things while I was sick even, um, or, and it was cathartic to, to talk to the camera because it's, it's hard to tell people how you're feeling all the time. Right. And so, yeah, so I, that, that was one thing. And then um, also I had a notebook. <laughs> I was, I'm kind of a geek sometimes all the time, maybe, yeah. but, <laughs> but I would, I made this notebook up and I put all these little page protectors in there. And every time that they would give me some blood work or my chemotherapy protocol or anything that, you know, had to do with me, I, I would put it into that notebook and I'd bring it with me to all of my doctor's appointments. When I'd stay in the hospital, I always had that notebook and that helped me feel like I had some sort of control over it. I mean, 
am I showing that the doctors and stuff like, no, 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 guys, this is the chemotherapy I need to get. No, I didn't have to do that, but it made me feel better. And I, like, I wasn't leaving everything into other people's hands. So I think just finding ways to, to get back some control when you're going through this will make it feel a lot better. I love that so much. I think that's just so beautiful. And I, um, you know, I think it's amazing that you made a documentary about yourself (laughs) (laughs) and like, that's so cool. And I mean, I've, I've like, just, it's, it's a beautiful um, expression, but it's also, you know, there, there is actually a lot of, of data and research on, you know, this, this sense of control being a huge part of our happiness. And, you know, when we do feel that, when we feel a lack of control or this like sense of powerlessness, um, that's, I think, where a lot of times, and you've maybe, you know, had some, some really deep experiences with this, of feeling this powerlessness and experiencing that sense of, you know, depression and anxiety, probably, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, and so that's amazing that you were able to, like, you know, just pause for a minute and, you know, look at your life and say, okay, I can't control that, but what can I control? And then, yeah, like the documentary, this notebook, like, I just think that that's, that's so beautiful that you were able to take back control and put, you know, look at what you could control and and really hold on to that. And there was actually something else just saying positive things to yourself. Like um, my aunt had taken me to a healer and I have to say like, right before I got there, I thought, no, 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 I don't want to (laughs) go. But we were already there. We'd driven a long way. And she, one one of the things that she did was she told me to say, I'm cancer-free seven times in a row. And so I did that to the extreme. So I would, especially when I was scared, I would just say, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free. And I just would just continue on. Or if I was going through my scans, I'd say, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free. And it would just, I'd probably say it, you know, at least a thousand times, if not more. And even though that's, you know, I don't know what that's doing, but it's, it's, it's perceived control at that point. You know, it's making me feel like I'm doing something. I'm in the scan right now. And I, I really have no control over what's happening, but I can say I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free, I'm cancer-free and put that good energy out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all about finding ways, whatever that way is for you to get back control. Yeah, no, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I think there's, there's so much good to be said about, about, you know, those positive affirmations and, um, it it really can, you know, uh, do good. And I think there's, you know, uh, considering the alternative, right. Of, of thinking only about what you can't control and feeling helpless and powerless and being in this despair, there's tons of, uh, studies on, you know, patients, even cancer patients, um, where, you know, when you put those positive affirmations and those positive things in your mind versus the hopelessness, helplessness, and, and even purposelessness specifically, like, uh, not finding purpose in, in that, which I feel like, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like you, you, you found a purpose in creating this documentary, right? Yeah, I did. And before I started, it was not only the whole film school thing where they said no and I wanted to still learn about filmmaking but 
at that point, I love movies. So when I found out I was diagnosed, I had, you know, okay, let's look at love story. Let's look at all these movies of people who have cancer and they all died in the end, but there are millions of cancer survivors out there. And that was the story I wanted to tell. So honestly, I wouldn't have actually put my documentary out. I would have made sure on my, um, you know, I would have made sure that my documentary didn't go out if, if I didn't make it, which sounds weird, but I just wanted yeah. to put something positive out there to give people hope because yeah. you just feel so alone when you're going through this and like no one else has gone through this. And which is true. It's different for every, every person, but just knowing that someone else has gone through it and then they've survived and thrived is huge for giving people hope. That's so huge. It really is so huge. And I, th I think, you know, just coming back to that, I think there's, you know, the, the, the studies on people, how people's bodies respond to the positive emotions is huge. The mm -hmm. um, Barbara Friedrichsen's broaden and build theory talks about that, like how, you know, people who engage in loving kindness meditation, which is basically just like, you know, just injecting your brain with positive emotions <laughs> yeah. um, and like love for other people, right. And love for yourself. Um, it, 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 completely changes how your body responds you know you're you're able to um you know the immune response is is like so much more effective so i just i love that story and i think it's i think it's beautiful and and i think it's also a story of resilience right i think right what you've what you have gone through requires so much resilience uh to to overcome and I mean, so, I mean, these are really amazing things that you did. What, I mean, do you have any other like tools um, that you use? You talked about visualization, you talked about affirmations. Um, do you have any other tools that just helped you? Um, well, yeah, I have a couple of different ones. One that I have to say, and it's not a tool that you can just do on your own, but one is just knowing when to reach out for help because I had PTSD for about a year um, afterwards. And I didn't know, I just didn't know why I was feeling that way, but it was like this big letdown, right? Like I survived, which is great. And I was really happy, but uh, it was also a lot. Like I'd just been through a lot. I'd been through a war zone basically. And so I would recommend to reach out for help, you know, to, to go to a therapist or if you like group meetings, go to a group meeting. I, for me, I need to see a therapist. So yeah. after a year, I finally reached out. And that's when I feel like my healing really started from this whole journey. You know, like there's the whole physical thing of getting through it, but there's the mental emotional part to it. And that I wish I hadn't taken a year to know that I should go to a therapist and just talk about everything that I'd been through and how scary it was. And, and cause like, you don't want to unload all that stuff to your friends and family. It's just too much. And, you know, they're looking at you just happy that you made it through, but you're just, you got a lot of stuff going on <laughs> underneath. So yeah. I would say just feel courageous enough to reach out for help. And, and then later on when I was done with cancer, but I, I was actually lost in life for a while. So it's not like everything was perfect right afterwards. It, sure. it took me a while to get back on my feet. And what happened was I was in Hawaii at the time I'd moved to Hawaii with my boyfriend and I was just at the wrong job with the wrong person. And I felt like I was living the wrong life at that point. And that's where I really felt like I had no control because I wasn't doing the things I should do. I wasn't goal setting. Um, I wasn't visualizing. I was just, I don't know, in the muck of life after that. 
And so when I finally made the decision to set the goal of going back to SeaWorld to be a trainer, because I had been so happy there, um, that's when everything started go back. And I, that, that was my path back to being the old joy that I was, was when I started setting goals and my goal was to go back there. I took the swim test again. Um, I barely passed it <laughs> because I had bronchitis, but I did. And yeah. it's, yeah. And it's amazing <laughs> what happens when you do that kind of stuff, because I, I put myself out there. I went back to SeaWorld and then uh, within the, the next two years, I started a program for kids who have cancer from children's hospital where they can actually go to the park and get in the water to meet a dolphin. So, you know, it, it led me back to a place where I was able to give back. So if I hadn't been courageous enough to set those goals and to get out of my situation where I was not happy with where I was in life, I would still be, you know, unhappy somewhere. So I think it's being courageous also just to, to set those goals and to follow through and to, to you know, reach for your happiness. I love that. That's, that's so true. And, and, you know, I think uh, some things you said really, really hit me and how you were talking about how you, you know, you experienced um, PTSD and, and you, that you were kind of still figuring it out. And I think, you know, anybody who's out there listening, who's thinking like, well, yeah, like I'm still figuring it out too, <laughs> because I think we're all kind of still figuring it out, you know? And um, I think uh, I, I interviewed uh, Bruce Feiler on on the podcast a little while back, um, he talked about transitions and how long it takes us to overcome these kind of life quakes is what he calls them, right? The, I mean, what you went through was absolutely a life quake. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it is going to cause trauma. It is going to be really difficult. And to rewrite your story after something like that, like we should expect it to take time. You know, I think if we expect that it's going to be quick, then it's going to be really hard, you know? I mean, he Plus says you get, takes... that, that's a really great point because then you get frustrated with yourself. Like, why yeah. isn't my life perfect? Like I survived and I made it. So things should be great now. And right. then it's like this internal struggle of, well, this, I should be happy. So that's a really great point. It is. And, and, you know, um, I was just telling him about the fact that like I had gone through a divorce and then it had happened like almost 10 years ago. Right. And, and I'm already like, I'm married again. Like it's, you know, and I think like, oh I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine from that. But then, you know, he says it takes about on average seven to 10 years, like, and everybody thinks Ooh, it wow. shouldn't take as long as it does. Right. They're like, oh, you know, I'm, I, it's, it's not a big deal now, but like, it's, I feel like embarrassed to even say that, you know, but it's like, it's okay. Right. It's okay that it takes that long. Um, if, if it takes that long. Right. And I love some of the, these tools that you talked about, like therapy and connection and friends, like, um, trauma, uh, right. I think trauma is this, the story we hold on to in the absence of an empathetic witness. And I love that you talked about therapy, right. And, and like reaching out and like having that empathetic witness to help witness this trauma this really difficult crazy thing that you just went through you know like it's crazy like it's so hard and like it is hard to talk about it with with friends and family sometimes and so I think it is helpful to have you know that therapy and you know you mentioned something about friends and I didn't even touch on that but that was really something that was huge in my life too because I had friends around me I, I remember 
my, my friend Christine had asked me if I wanted to tell anyone that I had cancer and then she worked at SeaWorld with me, but I was, you know, I, I was up, I was like three hours away, you know, trying to study film, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> then I was diagnosed with cancer, but she asked me if I wanted to tell anyone. And I said, yes, if there's ever a time that I need my friends, it's now. And so then before I knew it, all of my SeaWorld friends and people I really didn't know were mobilizing to drive three, four hours up from San Diego to Ventura to visit me and to help cook for me and just spend time with me. Or if I was in the hospital, then I'd have someone stay overnight with me there. Um, it, so that was huge because it really took my mind off of it. Not, not just the documentary. I mean, that was part of it. But having those people around, and I, I made sure that I surrounded myself with warriors because it was really hard for me to be around anyone who was sad for me. But if I surround myself with people who were strong or, you know, tried to be normal or watched a movie with me or, you know, the, that kind of a thing, it, it really took my mind off of it. And I didn't mm. think about the scary situation that I was in. Now, when I was by myself, those were the most difficult moments. Um, during the cancer, because then I'd be thinking of like the weight of what was happening to me, that I was fighting for my life um, really hit me. But during those other times, I was just distracted with my friends. So it was really tremendous to have them there. So I'd say, you know, if you feel comfortable doing that, reach out and let your friends be there and your family be there for you. That is so powerful. And uh, like fr friendship is the is, is something I'm so passionate about, and I mean human connection and you know uh, feeling connected to people, and I think friendship specifically is something that I'm going to be you know studying um, in depth, and that's huge. I think you know people who who have those those social connections and specifically like those close friendships, like. I love that you call them warriors, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they were there for you and they were strong for you when you when you weren't strong. And something you mentioned really hit me too. Um, I love that, you, like you were saying, okay, you know, it, it was like when you when you started thinking about, oh my gosh, I'm, I am fighting for my life. Um, and you just like, like when that thought kind of came into your mind, like that's, that had to have been so hard, but then it was nice to, it's nice to have friends around because you're just like, oh, here we are. Like, we're just here together as friends, you know? And it kind of, it almost distracts you in a positive way. And um, one of my, uh, something I listened to with somebody who um, they were uh, battling ALS, um, which was like just absolutely terminal and there was nothing they could do about it. You know, <clears throat> I think their doctor, I don't know if there's a doctor or a therapist or something like that they gave them, they called it the 10 minute rule, which is basically like, okay, you like take 10 minutes every day to just, to be like, okay, this sucks. Like, I like feel bad for yourself, you know, be okay with like feeling sad and, and all those things. But then like, once you hit that 10 minutes, like go on with your life, live your life, you know, like do yeah. everything you can while you can. And, and like, don't, don't waste the rest of your life, even if it's short, you know? Right. And that's, and so the friends distracted me from that, but also the, the documentary. So it was like, yeah. I would, yeah, I was battling for my life and I did realize that, but I had my focus on um, the documentary. So even there was one moment I wrote a book about this, so it's all in the book, <laughs> but there's um, yeah. one, there's one moment where I am rushed to the hospital 
in the middle of the night because I get a fever. And if you've had cancer, you know, or, you know, you know, anyone who has cancer, fever is a really big deal. And so basically someone who it has low blood counts um, can die because they don't have the immune system to fight off whatever is giving them that fever. And so I was rushed to the hospital. I couldn't even walk because I was so weak. So my friend has helped me walk down um, the, you know, the hallway. And um, when I was lying on this bench waiting for the doctor to come, I remember signaling to my friend to film me or my friends. I had my two guy friends there, Kevin and Brian. But I signaled to them like a little charade thing to, to film me because I was still thinking about the documentary and showing the story of survival. And I thought, well, okay, this is hopefully going to be one of the lowest moments I have. So let's, you know, film this and then it will be so much greater when I come up and I survive this. So like the whole time I have this story, this hero story, this Rocky story that I, I want to show people. And um, so that was really big with taking my mind off of what was happening. I love that. So, like, that's <laughs> such a powerful visual. And it makes me want to watch your uh, documentary now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, wow, that's just, that's, that's so vulnerable. But that's also so, so powerful, too. So, you know, thank you for having the courage to, to do that. Yeah, thank you um, very much. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I'm sure this is also part of your book, which by the way, like everybody who's listening, you know, go check it out. Um, and, uh, the check out your, your book and let me do, I'm just going to make sure I get the title right here. I'm pulling it up on Amazon right now. Joy, the story of a dolphin trainer, filmmaker and cancer survivor. Yeah. Uh, so it's on Amazon. Um, and we'll definitely link to that as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I'd love to. So I just barely got back from this like epic trip to experience uh, nature, you know, and really mm. connect with with the earth um, in Iceland, actually. And oh wow, there's this amazing you know volcano and waterfalls, and it was just it was just amazing. It just, I'd never had any experiences like that before in my life. And you, uh, you know, we've been talking about how you you trained animals and specifically dolphins. Um, and you were able to like be around these, these dolphins a lot. And I'm sure you learned so much from, from this. And I'd love to have you, um, just maybe share something that you learned from nature and from animals that kind of pertains to, to, to all of this and to happiness in general. I think this, what I learned, I've learned a lot, but one of the things that was unique to me, cause I don't, I don't think all of the trainers did this but I would always make sure I had moments with the animal and I'd like make connections and I would always make sure I had eye contact. So, and we, we always talk about eye contact and animal training. So that, that is a big thing, but it, it wasn't just that it was just me sitting there, you know, hugging the dolphin, looking into its eyes, um, just having a quiet moment with that animal and connecting. And I had like these great relationships with the animals and they, you know, they would do these great things. Um, and I, I really feel like that was a huge part of it was, I mean, first of all, animal training is positive reinforcement. So, you know, you're a psychology guy, so it's operant conditioning. You reinforce what you want to see happen again. You ignore what you don't want to see happen again. So, I mean, we do all that, but just those moments to like, just connect on a soul to soul level with that animal is just huge. And so I would say it's not just with 
dolphins or other animals, it's with people too, you know, like when you don't make that eye contact, you don't really have that same connection. So um, I think that's what I learned is the power of, you know, just having that soul to soul moment with an animal or with a person and having that deeper level of connection. I love that. I think I can't, eye contact is, is so, so powerful. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I was thinking about this a lot uh, recently where, you know, how much do I look people in the eyes when I talk to them, you know, mm -hmm. and how much does it have a, have an impact on, on my connection with those people, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not super great at that all the time. And so I've, I've been thinking about that actually quite a bit. So that's so interesting that, that you like with animals, right. You, you contact, like eye contact, um, has, has an impact. That's, I, I didn't actually know that. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, definitely, you know, have, have looked my, so we have a Guinea pig and I, you know, I look in, I look <laughs> in the eyes sometimes. <laughs> His name's Winston. Anyways, okay. but, um, <laughs> But yeah, and you know, I think I think uh, that's just really really fascinating, um, and I, and probably anybody who has you know their a pet like a dog or cat or whatever, like they they definitely have had those those experiences, right? So yeah, and um, we I mean I think universally we all want to be seen, and I don't mm -hmm. think that that's different with animals. I think that that's the same. Like they want to be seen, and so to have those moments where you just you know have that soul to soul moment with them and yeah. look into their eyes. I mean, all I, like I said, all I'd be doing is just holding them, you know, like giving them a hug or something and um, just talking to them and looking into their eyes. Like that was huge. These, I'm telling you, these, these animals would do these behaviors like way better for me because I'd had those moments and people would wonder what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. I would have those moments of connection with them. Yeah. That's so, that's so powerful. So, so powerful. And I, I, I agree that we, we definitely, we want to be seen. Everybody wants to feel seen and, and feel like they belong. Um, so thank you for sharing all of this. This has been so beautiful and I appreciate your courage uh, to, to share your story. Um, and it is a journey um, that, that, you know, that you're on and, you know, everybody who's listening is, is, is on, a, you know, a different journey, but also like a difficult journey, journey and, um, and something that is worth, um, you know, worth fighting for and, and moving across these obstacles that, that pop up. I'd love to ask you one more question, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, all the, you know, what would, what would you tell, like, beyond everything that you've, you've shared tonight, like, what would you share with, with the listeners who are just really wanting to um, build a happier life today? Uh, I, honestly, I, I would just start with the gratitude because for me, once I started going through all the things I was grateful for, even though I had just been diagnosed with cancer, things were not great. My boyfriend had just dumped me, you know, stopped talking to me. I was not in a good place. 
But once I started focusing on all of the good things that I did have, all of the people who loved me, the fact that they did find it, the fact that I was stage two, uh, then that really turned it around for me. And it, I think, I really do believe that that helped me make the decision to make the documentary. And I think if I had been just ruminating about all the negative stuff in my life, that I wouldn't have been able to um, do something productive and to move on from that and to make that decision. So, uh, you know, I, I would say just go through a gratitude list every day and that would will help you kickstart you so that you can get out of, you know, the funk that you're in and then set a goal and go for it. You know, take those tiny steps. It's funny with, and I'm sure you know this, but with um, animal training, so positive reinforcement, you break down any behavior you want. So it could be like the biggest behavior where they're doing a flip in the air or something crazy like that. You break it down into really small behaviors. So set that big goal and then break up that goal into smaller goals and start working on accomplishing those. And I think just once you have the gratitude and you have some vision of what you want, that goal that you want, and you can start chipping away at it, you're going to start getting more confident. You're going to feel better about your life. You're going to just feel good because you're working towards something. Um, but for me, it all started with gratitude to get me out of that funk. Um, so that, that's what I would recommend to anyone who's listening to this, who's going through a rough time. Wow, thank you so much. I 100% agree with you, gratitude. It's just so powerful, is is like pure power, right? Yeah. You just like, you just think of what is going well, right? And then, and there there's tons of research on that, you know, this, um, you know, Marty Seligman's study on what went well and how people who, you know, just thought about three things that went well today, instead of thinking about what didn't go well or what's not going well or what you're not excited for, or what you're afraid about in the future or in the past, like, you know, what went well? And people who did that for just eight weeks, like they scanned their brains and it's completely, their brains completely changed, right? Wow. And, uh, so, you know, gratitude is powerful stuff. It's really amazing. Um, and so, uh, that's so cool to hear that evidence in, in real life, in the real life of joy. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's really cool. So joy, where can people, uh, you know, find you and, um, you know, follow the rest of your journey, uh, maybe watch your Ted talk, you know, things like that. Yeah. So if you want to watch my Ted talk, you can go to YouTube and just look up joy Clausen, C-L-A-U-S-E-N, Soto, S-O-T-O, and it'll pop up for Ted talk. So just look, put in TEDx and that. And then for my website, actually, you can also find it from my website, but if you go to my website, it's joy Clausen Soto at, uh, or sorry, joy Soto.com. And you can go there. And actually, if you sign up for the newsletter, I will send you a code so you can get a uh, Barnes and Noble uh, ebook version of the book for free. So if you if you want to sign up yep. for my newsletter, then you can do that and I'll send you the book. Wow, that's awesome. Wow, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for that offer. Um, joy, thank you so much. It has been a joy to be with you. And I am grateful. Uh, today, my gratitude is, is that I was able to connect with you. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Me too. <laughs>I really hope this episode helped you to have a more happy life today. If you enjoy this episode, share it and let me know by tapping the stars in the reviews. You can also find me on Instagram at morehappylife or by going to morehappylife.co. Thanks for listening and see you soon.